wasn't going to do this, but it was in my head the whole time I was putting my message together, and I just have to. Love, true love, is why we gather here together today. <laughs> if you aren't familiar, that's a line from uh, Princess Bride, and I just it, it was coming to me as I, as I was preparing, and I, I don't know, I couldn't help it. <laughs> uh, when we begin chapter 12, I, uh, I mentioned that Paul is going to lead us in a self-assessment of what God's will is for us what it is that we should be doing and what kind of attitude we should do as we do his will. Last week we talked about humility and how we all have different gifts, but we can't be prideful of any of those gifts because we only have them by the grace of God. I use the example of having a a young child that wants to buy a gift for their their parent and uh, they don't have any money to buy it, so the parent goes and they, they give them the money and they take them to the store and they help them buy the gift that's going to be for them. And the child didn't really have anything of their own to give other than just a desire to want to give something to please their parent. And that we're, we're like that when it comes to God. That's, that's how we are. We, we offer our bodies, we offer our lives to him as a living sacrifice. Uh, all we have to offer is what he gave us already. But we give it because we want to worship him. We give it because we want to please him. We give it in response to all the mercies that he has shown us. This week, uh, I was focusing on how when we give to others, it's the same thing. Uh, I think when I was, you know, we can focus on giving, everything we're giving is giving to the Lord. But when we give to the Lord, oftentimes it's by giving it to others. It's by doing what he wants us to do with what he, he's given us. And there's, there's that middleman. <laughs> there's, there's each other that we're, that we're giving those gifts to in honor to God. And so when we give to each other, um, we're, we're giving what wasn't ours in the first place. We're just giving what God gave us. Sometimes uh, people can want to keep record in their minds of how many times they've done something for someone and start thinking that somehow they deserve something in return. But the truth is, is if what you're giving was a gift to you in the first place, um, and, and that we're giving it as unto the Lord, then do we really deserve anything in return? Uh, wasn't, it, wasn't it already God who gave it to us in the first place? If we can really grab hold of the truth that our gifts, our time and our money and our energy uh, we're given freely by God uh, anyway, and if we can um, give what we have for His glory alone, then what it, when we give it, we've already it's already completed its purpose. We've already we've already been able we've been gifted with to be able to worship God. We, we've already received. That And so anything that we receive back because we bless somebody else and they bless us in return, that's just, that's just a frosting on top of frosting, really, because, <laughs> because it, was all, it was all free. It was all just by God's grace that we were able, that we're able to offer something to God. Like the gratitude of just being able to please God when we had nothing and he gave us something so that we can. Um, so... Um, so any return we get 
uh, is, is just based on capital that God already gave us for the, the original investment. So it's undeserved blessing, and, it's, and all we can do is just praise God for it. When somebody else returns it, praise God for it. But, but we can't live with that expectation because we, we were given what wasn't really uh, um, ours to begin with. God has given us abilities, time, energy, and even love, and it's love that we're going to talk about today. And I, I want to start by reading 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another or love each other. Um, I, I feel like I'd just like to read that over and over again because I think that it... <laughs> It preaches better than I can, um, but but we're studying Romans, so <laughs> I can't I can't stay there. I don't know how many of you grew up with uh, singing singing the first two verses there, Romans four seven and eight. Ray Ray for sure. I don't know. No, nobody else. All right. Well, there was a when I was a kid in Sunday school. Maybe it was at the free church uh, where I first met Ray. Um, but we used to sing, "Beloved, let us love one another." For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He who loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John first no, first John four, seven and eight. And it was it was fun to, to read. <laughs> It was. It's just so amazing how those songs stick with you over the years. I, mean, I didn't. I never really meant to memorize this, and with all of the, you know, with the loveths and the knowths. But but uh, but when you sing these songs, like it, it, the word of God impacts your heart and it sticks with you. And so, it is so powerful um, to to get that in us um, to remember it. And uh, and and what more powerful thing? To remember, like once we experience God's mercies and we put our faith in Him, then love is the thing that expresses that that faith is there. And so, for us to love one another, that is, that's the beginning of us walking this life of of following Christ. Um, today, uh, we're going to be. Continuing in chapter 12, we're going to be starting at verse 9, and uh, we're going to read all the way to verse 21, and then we're going to go back, and we're just going to really dig into verses 9 and 10 today. But I kind of want to read it all as, as a whole. So got a big chunk we're going to read, and then we'll come back. Uh, Let us love without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serve, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually, steadfastly in prayer, 
distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but, be, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give but rather give place to wrath, for his written vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If we're going to love like this, uh, we're going to have to, as we read in the beginning of this chapter, we're going to have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds because we have to walk in, hum in humility and our natural minds want to put us first. So if we're going to walk in that kind of love, we have to have our minds renewed. It's not the way we were born. We weren't born with that type of love mindset. Paul gives us this detailed description of what love and action is supposed to look like. And, uh, you know, I think that some people in the world might think it's kind of strange. Like, why would you have to be, why would you have to have it spelled out to you like that, that you, uh, of how you're supposed to love? I mean, we all know how to love, right? We, you know, we, we, it's a natural thing. It's just something that, that just expresses itself, you know. We don't need to learn how to do it. But God's kind of love is different than love as it's expressed in the world um, because our, our human nature doesn't love like that. Uh, we're not born knowing how to love properly. We are, we are bent towards seeking uh, our best interest first, seeking our own good. We, we're, we're, we want to love with ulterior motives. Uh, we we want to love expecting something in return. That is our natural way of loving. Love in the world wants to ensure that it's worth it. Love, it's a love that's a little guarded. Uh, it does a cost-benefit analysis before offering it. They want to keep a tally to make sure that they're getting a return on their investment. But when we do that, we put a, a cap on how much we're able to love and how much love we are able to receive. Um, it ends up, in, we end up in broken relationships because we're not all in. Neither side is all in if they're loving by the world's standards because they're not putting the other person first. For those of us who, uh, not us, I'm, a, I'm somewhere in between when it comes to like, you know, being a hugger. But for those who, 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 uh, who are not huggers, who think that the, the topic of love seems kind of mushy or sappy, uh, this is not... Uh, you know, maybe they hear the word Christian love and it seems kind of cliche. This isn't the, the love of Valentine's cards and Hallmark movies. This love is God's greatest gift. Um, this love is why God created us. Love is why God saved us. Uh, love is why he 
gave his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to comfort us, and to walk through us, through this journey of life, and, and to lead us, and to help us be able to, to even offer something of purpose back to him. And it's love that, that he wants to come back to us and take us to be home with him and live with him forever. Love is what makes all of our relationships with each other really have value and endure. The love that is described in these 12 verses is the kind of love that makes the world take notice. If it was the same kind of love that the world offers, the rest of the world wouldn't notice. But when we love like this, we are shining God's light to the world and we're showing the world that there is a God and that we are his children. So what does Christian love look like? Let's uh, go back and we're going to read verses 9 and 10 again. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Uh, this, um, the word hypocrisy that is used here at the time that this was written wasn't used exactly the same way that it was, that it's used today. When, when I use the word, this Greek word, it was referring to how, uh, people who were doing acting or, or plays, how they would have a, they would have like a mask on a stick and they would be pretending to be different people. Um, so they'd hold the mask in front of their face and they would be acting as this, this other person. And that's kind of where the word hypocrisy and the meaning comes from. Um, but it really comes from this pretending to be something different. The New Living Translation picks up on this and they translate it, uh, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Uh, King David recounts this um, recounts a time when he experienced a friend pretending to love him in Psalms 55. He says, uh, in verses uh, 20 through 21, he says, my companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more, than smooth, more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. The song was written uh, likely a time that... Uh, that David was being attacked, that somebody was trying to usurp his, his throne, and there was some sort of, it was, it was kind of an extreme situation where somebody who was a friend was actually uh, scheming against him. And, and we may think, well, that's not, you know, that, I'm not going to do that, you know. And we may not operate with that kind of polar opposites, you know, of being a friend and trying to, to uh, you know, probably kill the other person uh, in this situation. I don't know. It's, it's unclear exactly what situation uh, um, 50, Psalm 55 is referring to, but, but it's, it, those are polar opposites. But in our lives, we might, um, we might not, it might, it's probably not going to be to that extreme, whether we're um, really loving or pretending to love uh, is probably not how it's living out in our lives. But uh, we may, as one um, one preacher said, he said, sometimes the glove that we offer is slightly bigger than the hand. The, the glove that's offered is slightly bigger than the hand. So the question is, do we ever speak with words that sound nice, that sound Christian, but the emotion behind it doesn't quite fill the glove of what we're saying? Have you ever uh, buttered someone up with flattery because you needed a favor? 
uh, have you ever acted interested in a story that your boss was telling you with a lot of wows and that's amazing even though in actuality you just kind of wanted to get out of the conversation because you didn't really care most of us have had similar situations maybe grandma is telling you the same story for the 20th time and you don't want to seem rude or unloving so you just pretend to be excited to hear it now I don't think Paul is telling you that you should tell grandma that she's driving you crazy with that same story but rather that we should learn to love in a way that we do value the story. Uh, we don't maybe not, not value it because we're enjoying it, but we value that she's enjoying it. We value how much it means to her to share this story with you, to love not what you are going to get out of it, but what they're going to get out of it. When I first married Tanya, and, and I, have to, I have to throw in a little bit of a, if this is kind of funny. Okay, so I was going to share this story today, and I said to Tanya, I said, your parents aren't going to show up at church tomorrow, are they? <laughs> and she's like, no. Well, guess what? <laughs> Welcome, Chris and Ernie. Glad you could join us. Uh, when I first married Tanya, her family uh, used to tell this story about this incident uh, about, and you, you'll have to ask him after service if you'd like, uh, about, uh, about a, uh, a plate of spaghetti and their dog Coco. And, um, and they said it multiple times, and I, I'm sure I smiled every time I heard it, but I was thinking in my head, why are they, are they saying this story again? Didn't, didn't we just talk about the story last time we got together? Um, you know, I wasn't there, so I didn't, you know, I didn't connect with it quite as much. Uh, but they love that story, and, and um, over time, as I got to know them better and, and as I began to love them more, uh, I began to appreciate it as well. I began to be able to smile and respond to the story, not because I connected with it, because it was fun to watch them laugh and enjoy that story. Um, you can't love genuinely without humility, without putting the other person above yourself. I know it's kind of a silly example maybe of how that, that plays out, but the, the principles hold true. If I put myself first, I can't show genuine love. If it's about what I'm receiving, it's not genuine love. But when I put the other person first, I can. But it's not easy, and we can't do it without a renewed mind because that's not our human nature. It's near impossible without a renewed mind. One Scottish minister once said, any man who seeks to make his words a true picture of his emotions must be aware that few harder precepts have ever been given than this brief one of the apostles. Let love be without hypocrisy. It is not easy. Uh, it, 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 it shows itself in subtle ways. Ways that we don't even realize sometimes when it's happening because it's just so natural to how we are wired from birth and we need to be renewed. Just when you think that you are winning, <laughs> you all of a sudden look back and realize that you failed again. True Christian faith and Christian love are intertwined. 
if we are Christians, if we claim to have faith, Christ's love should be displayed. If we claim to have faith, Christ's love should be displayed. Um, Back in Romans chapter 3, verse 31, Paul said, well then, if we emphasize faith, does that mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. He said, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Now, when you hear the law, you don't necessarily think about love right off the bat. But what is the law? What, what is really at the heart of the law? Jesus said that all of the law and all the prophets hang on two commandments. We find them in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So faith and love are connected. Only when you have faith do you truly love, because that's how you fulfill the law, is by loving. So only it, we only have faith if we truly love, and really we only truly love if we're doing it through our renewed mind, through our faith. Uh, James references the same command to love our neighbors ourselves. Um, he talks about, about that is the primary thing, that we love others. And then just a few verses later, uh, in James 2, verse 14 through 17, he says, what good is it, dear brothers? And, and he's explaining what, what it would look like to have, say you have faith but not really have love. What, what, uh, he gives a picture of what faith looks like without love. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And you can see in those good deeds, these are acts of love, these are acts of kindness that come from a heart that has received Christ, that has that is, that is understood our human condition as being, um, being deserving of God's wrath and then receiving undeserved mercy and love. This is the, you, you can't love other people when you, rec, when, you, when you don't humble yourselves, when you think that you're all of that and you haven't recognized who you are in Christ, that, that, that we are all at the same place to begin with and it is God that has lifted us up. It is only through faith that we truly love and it is only by showing love that we do, um, it is only by showing love that, uh, that we show that our faith is real. So if faith that, is, that does not demonstrate love is not faith at all, then we must be obedient to God in how we love one another. If faith that doesn't love isn't real faith, then we have to be obedient in how God calls us to love one another and how we're being taught what true love is. 
So why does true saving faith mean that we must love? Why does true faith, saving faith mean that we must love? And for that, we're going to go back to 1 John uh, chapter 4 again. This time we're going to look at verses 15 and 16. It says, All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Those who have put their trust in God must love. Those who put their trust in God must love. Jumping to verse 19, uh, it says, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believers, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, if we don't love the people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So we must love. If you say that you have faith, you must love. If you love God, you must love others. If you are offering your body as a living sacrifice, the way we offer that is, is in service to God, being his hands and feet, offering the gifts he's given to do his will, and that means loving others. We must love. What else does this love that God wants us to display, what, what is that supposed to look like? And we're going to, next week we're going to go into a lot more details, um, but we're going to look at verse 10 now. What else does that look like? I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come back up. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Be kindly affectionate to one another. Again, those who uh, maybe are not huggers, you might hear that and think, whoa, 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 what is he saying there? Um, some, uh, you don't need to worry. The, the word kindly affectionate here, the Greek word being used, it's not a verb. This is actually an adjective. So <laughs> not saying, there's, there's ways that we express love. He's not saying... You know, that that has to be, uh, you know, anything that you're uncomfortable with right there. Actually, sometimes showing love has to be something that you're uncomfortable with. But, <laughs> but anyways, um, this is an adjective here. It's just talking about our connection to one another. Brotherly love has to do with a, a family-type connection, but, but this adjective here is also talking about um, the way that we're connected and how we're devoted to one another as a family, that as Christians, we become Brothers and sisters, we become a family, and, and it's a bond that holds us together. Um, at youth night this last Wednesday, like I said, the, the, the lesson was about Christian community. And we read Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 3, that says, Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Easy, right? Just think of others as better than yourself. Simple. Um, it's short, but it's not simple. Uh, I used the example with the kids about, you know, if there's a, a, a cookie at the end, you know, we're going to have snacks. I'm thinking, you know, what is this, a simple way that we can express this to one another in our youth group? So if there's one cookie left, you know, what do you do? You know, like 
you know, don't, don't be the one that tries to take the last cookie. Uh, we get to the end of the night and, uh, and there's one cookie left and Laura makes the announcement. There's one cookie left to see what happens. And one boy, I won't name names, comes darting up <laughs> and gets that cookie. I think he was trying to be funny. I, th- I think he's trying to be funny, but, uh, but, uh, you know, that's how we're wired. That is how we're wired. Um, it's contrary to our nature to want to put others first. Uh, we want to see what we can get. Um, it's something that, that maybe a lot of us thought, well, isn't this something you learn in grade school? Isn't this something you learn when you're taught not to run to the front of the line when you're dismissed for lunch or you're not supposed to budge, you know, these sorts of things? Um, that's something you learn when you're a kid, right? And we're kind of all done that as grown-ups. But uh, that's not the case. You know, when we're grown-ups, we still have these desires. We still um, want to be heard. We still want to get our own way. We, we still want to put ourselves first. Uh, looking ahead at the next verses in chapter 12, uh, there's going to be about 20 more descriptions. This thing is just full of, of application of what it can look like for us to love each other. And so, uh, like I say, we're going to dig into that more in the next week or two. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll tackle them all next week or if this is going to be a few more parts. Um, but for today, the key is the first half of verse 9. And I said earlier, I just really love the way the New Living Translation uh, says it. They say, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. It's not always easy, but if you remember back to the beginning, our lives are called to be a living sacrifice to God, not a living vacation. It's a living sacrifice, not a living vacation. So it's not always easy. Sometimes it takes some work. Sometimes it takes, you know, some dying to ourself. Um, So let's offer our lives to God by loving one another because he first loved us. Let's stand. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you gave us love. Lord, we uh, first think of the love that you displayed to us as you sent your son to die for us, to restore our relationships with you. The fact that you chose to care for us at all when we were enemies of yours. Lord, that kind of love that, that considers the other first, Lord. We're so undeserving, and we're so thankful for your love, Lord. But we also think of love as it's demonstrated between each other. What would life be if we didn't have love for one another? What kind of relationships would we have if we didn't offer love to one another? We can think of our families, our, our mothers and brothers and sisters and children, uh, what would that be if we didn't have love? And that comes from you. It's a gift from you for us to have to be connected and to encourage and to bring us joy and life. Lord, we are so grateful, Lord, and I, and I ask that you would help us to express that love more fully, that we would love like you loved, that we would think of the other as better than ourselves, that we would 
consider uh, the, the joy and the benefit of the other um, and not just what are we going to get out of it, Lord. Lord, teach us to love deeply, that we can honor you with what you've given us, Lord, and also so that you can uh, tie us together more strongly in this bond of love that you've created that is different than the world has, something that, that, uh, that makes allowances for each other's faults, that, that, uh, that cares even when there's maybe doesn't feel like care is deserved or earned, Lord. But we, we ask that you move in our hearts deeply, that we can love as you love us. Thank you for that. Thank you for your love. I was uh, sent something this last week uh, from a, a pastor friend that said uh, we, we were talking about uh, different uh, mission statements and vision statements for churches, and and uh, and he he shared this. He said, "Be like Jesus, love like Jesus, and do what Jesus did." And I just thought that was so good. Um, none of us are are perfect at being like Jesus or loving like Jesus did, but it's, it's what we strive for. It's what we, what we chase after. Um, we're always going to be making mistakes, but we strive towards it. And uh, I want to leave you with this one last verse or section of verses from Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. It says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all of this, all of these things, or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So we may try and we may fail, and, and there's grace for that. And we get to stand in grace, but we press on striving to each day be more and more like Christ, to more and more do what Jesus did as we live this life on earth, loving one another, showing the world what a God love looks like, to show that there is a God and that he's alive in us. So press on to love like Jesus, Go in the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the love of Jesus with the world for the glory of God the Father. Amen.